0: This is a journey into sound.
1: I know what you pink old heavy metal weirdos do.
2: You are locked
3: into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. If you like corporate bullshit, listen to commercial radio. If not, stay tuned.
0: Fuck the Mainstream!
4: This is James Rivera, I'm going back to old school, MSR cast, oh come on, yes, we've been around for a long time and we're not going away, this is James Rivera from Hellstar, support your local scene.
2: Welcome, my friends, to another episode of MSR Cast, the metal podcast for your ear pleasure. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I am Carrie G, and I am pleased to announce that the MSR Cast Metal Podcast has a brand new co-host, and that is Mister Sean Kumar. Hello. The metal, pi- the metal pigeon himself. Yes, the metal pigeon is here to stay. Congratulations, man! You have been promoted to the next level. Thanks. <laughs> Um, If you listen to the latest Metal Geeks episode, you will hear uh, what happened with our old co-host and all that good stuff. We're not going to go into that here, but you know what we're going to do now? What's that? We're going to bring on a very special guest for a very special interview episode, and that is Rick Habib from Gray Skies Fallen. Hey,
1: what's up, guys? Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, I've I've always been a huge fan of the band and we've known each other for it's coming up like fifteen something years now. Yeah, so
1: definitely, man, back in the uh, metal fest days, you know.
2: That's right. I used to go to almost every single metal fest with the uh, the fanzine mainstream resistance. So
1: yeah Sal, our uh, drummer, he used to rock that shirt for a good eight years. After that, eight nine years, he was rocking that <laughs> shirt. It was all beat. To, it was all beat <laughs> up, and he was still wearing it.
2: I'm glad somebody was man. Yeah, man. I, I, I got too small for mine. <laughs> That's all right, though.
1: It's better to get smaller than, than larger, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So let's get into uh, the brand-new album. We just heard a track that started off this episode. Because it was called uh, The End of My Rope. That is from the album called The Many Sides of Truth, which just came out. Let's start talking about that. Yeah, cool, man.
1: That, uh, that album came out this past April. It was... Uh, it's the first album as a full band again in quite some time. And um, but we solidified the lineup by adding two, two new guys. Uh, Joe Sanchi on guitars, who, uh, who used to be with us quite a while ago, about 12 years prior. For, uh, for a few months, actually, we, we were jamming together, and uh, he's back. And uh, Tom Anderer from um, Buckshot Facelift, another band that uh, Sal... Our drummer is in, and I have since joined as well. So there's all sorts of uh, interplay going on here. Um, so this was our first album with that lineup, and uh, we basically threw it together in two months and uh, hit the studio and, uh, and got it out there. We put it on vinyl, CD.
2: just
1: trying to get it out there right now.
2: What's, what did you take? Vinyl? Yes,
1: it's on, uh, it's on vinyl as well as CD. Um, we put that out ourselves, and uh, since then, a label called Paragon Records has picked it up, and they've also released a uh, jewel case version of the disc uh, with alternate uh, cover artwork and uh, lyrics. So, so that package is a little different than the one we offer, um, so there's all sorts of ways you can uh, check out this record. What about cassette? Uh, uh, unfortunately, it's not on cassette. But I had, <laughs> you know, I have been considering um, cassette because it seems a little a little niche market. There, people are uh, interested in that. Um, you know. Well, yeah, there seems to be a resurgence. Yeah, that, it's, man. it's interesting because I was I was never. I mean, I have fond memories of, of my tapes, you know, <laughs> but but I, I I was never a huge fan because. You know, yeah. they a lot of hiss and all this you know noise, but um, you know, when when you're growing up, you had tapes, so it's kind of cool in one way, but it's you know it's the shittiest uh, of, of medias to me. But yeah, yeah
3: I, I, I don't think anyone's gonna hold it against you guys if you don't release it on cassette.
1: <laughs> like you know, we're, we're going to record a couple uh, couple tracks this this coming weekend. Um, two demo songs we're gonna do. Um, basically, just a shop. And uh, maybe with throw those on tape, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, 50, 50 release or, you know, 100 or something like that or something crazy. What
2: do they what do they call those? A, a single? <laughs>
1: yeah. Old school. Yeah, definitely.
2: <laughs> so let's talk about the song that we uh, we already played, um, Into My Rope. Um, anything special about the, the song and the writing of the song or well, the lyrics?
1: Actually, that song is interesting. Um, we were not going to uh, put that on the record. And uh, at the last moment, it came together about two days prior to uh, to hitting the studio. We just drew it together. And um, it really, you know, it, it, was a, it was a bunch of cool riffs. It, it sounds good. And um, we we actually had an uh, Indiegogo campaign for this album. Um, we were trying to get some funds together to put it out. Records, <laughs> vinyl cost a lot of money to put out. Uh, so you know, we we went the crowdsourcing route, and uh, one one fan, his name is Johnny Grill. This dude is the man. He lives in uh, Illinois, and he paid good money to come down. He recorded on the song with us, and um, it came out really really fucking good, you know. So uh, we were all happy the way it, the way it worked out. Came down, he hung out, he, he got to uh, we wrote the parts right on the spot, and he just belted them out. It was great.
2: That's awesome, man. Yeah. So let's go back to that real quick. You said so you used Indiegogo. You did crowd you know crowd sourcing. Yes. How did that How did that work for a metal band like like yourself? Um, phew, it it was going pretty bad for the whole. It was it was a two month.
1: Was it a month or two? Honestly, I don't remember if we did thirty or sixty days. But last minute, Johnny came in and uh, placed that bid and basically bailed us out from a, a disastrous campaign to a a pretty. You know somewhat decent campaign, so it uh you know we we're, we're not too well known, so as far as getting our our campaign out there it it was kind of difficult to do um you know, but uh a bunch of fans they 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 uh, contributed and uh you know they got some cool perks, so you know i i'm actually uh i don't think I'd go that route again, but um I have nothing i have no problems with any band that that wants to go that route, because. If you want to put out a good product, it costs a lot of money to do that. And a lot of bands, quite frankly, like us, we don't have that kind of money. <laughs> you know, we're all in our thirties. Right. And, you know, we're trying to pay bills and stuff, so any way you can get it, I think. Um Yeah. And
2: And what better way to, you know, ask your true friends to actually absolutely. commit. Yeah,
1: man. This dude came down, he came down with his friends, they hung out for a couple of days. We you know, we became great friends with them and uh you know, it, it was a great time, so for, if, I think for Johnny, man, he would he would totally uh, tell you it was a good thing, and for us, definitely, too, you know, uh, it, it worked out well, but,
2: you know, who knows if we'll do it again, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, you always hear, like, the, the horror stories for, like, a, a video game or, you know, a movie that's being worked on, and if you don't make your, you know, if you don't make the money, you don't get you don't get anything. Is that right. correct? Well, with
1: uh, Kickstarter, that's the way it is. Um, okay. If you don't hit your goal, you don't receive uh, anything. Indiegogo, I um, you just yes, you don't have to hit that goal, but it's whatever you whatever the con- uh, contributions are. When uh. ends, that's what you get. And um, we 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 basically paid for our uh, CD pressing with our with our campaign, so that was pretty good for us. You know, we. we it worked out that way. It's the vinyl that, that is, uh, <laughs> is where the money is uh, spent, mainly, you know? Aside, so let's aside talk- from studio costs, of course.
2: So l- let's talk about the uh, writing process for the band. Yeah, um, and l- Let's talk about how, l- how long did it take for, um, <laughs> you know, conception to completion on this album? Um, well, it
1: was pretty quick. Uh, like I said, we, we had assembled uh, this band. It, it was myself uh, Craig Rossi on keyboards and Sal, um, the drummer. We've been around together since, uh, all three of us are, are in the band since the late nineties, 98. Sal came in the band. So, uh, after, uh, we got Tom and Joe, it was really fast. We knew these guys for years and, um, we just gelled real quick and we wanted to get something out there, but, you know, we, we, originally it was going to be an EP. So, uh, we kind of added a couple more things to it and it stretched it out to about 35 minutes. Um, so EP full length, I don't know what you want to call it. it. It is what it is, but, um, yeah, we, we banged it out in about two months and then we hit the studio, took another couple months and, uh, and that was
2: it. Do you guys, uh, write your parts separately and then get together and just, Hey, look what I wrote. Or do you actually working on it? Like in a rehearsal studio?
1: Yeah, um, well, one of these tracks, uh, the uh, first song on the album, uh, "Ritual," the Exeter, that was a Joe song. He came to the, he came to practice. He's like, I got a song, and I was like, All right, cool. So that was a, that was a done deal. Um, the other songs, we basically uh, all were in the room together, and you just jam, and uh, things come together. That's always how I prefer to do things. Um, I've never been one that has written. I write at home, but I don't come to practice with full songs written usually. I, I like more, uh, you know, organic writing process, jamming together and feeding off each other.
2: Cool. So um, we just mentioned the uh, Ritual of the Exeter. Let's go ahead and play that track, and then we're going to play a track, another track from, uh, well, our first track from Buckshot Facelift, and we'll talk about that band when we get back. Cool, man. Welcome back, everyone, to MSRcast. Uh, We have with us this evening, uh, again, our very new co-host, Sean, the Metal Pigeon Kumar. And we have, uh, continuing our interview with Rick from Grey Skies Fallen. Yes. Um, So, now that uh, The Walking Dead is so popular, Rick... No, I'm joking. (laughs) I'm sure you hear that, that Rick name all the time.
1: Oh, yeah. Actually, um... I mean, I watched the show, so uh, uh, I it's right. I I like, I'm indifferent on the show. I don't know, but the video game is really good.
2: Yeah, I would agree on that. Yeah, I watched the show, but uh, the the Telltale games are fucking amazing. Yes, I'm. I'm, But man, I you know, like you said, I watched the show, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Definitely. So we just heard a song from another band that you're in, uh, Buckshot Facelift. Um, The album's called Living Ghost of the North Shore. And the song we just heard was called 15,000 Missing. So tell me about this band.
1: This band has been around uh, 10 years now. And I just joined the band um, in late 2012. Um, Sal, who has been in uh, Grey Skies, like I said, since uh, 98, this was his other band. Um, with a bunch of guys uh, Tom Who is now in Grace Guys Playing bass And uh, Will Who's uh, currently the singer of Artificial Brain also um, we, Those guys had a, uh, a, a good run there 10 years, about 8 years By the time I got there And um, you know we just uh, joined up we, we, played, we, we played a lot of the songs From their album Elders Rasp Which came out in 2013 uh, Played a bunch of good shows for that and uh, then we buckled down and wrote this EP. It, it's an EP. It's six songs. Pretty, um, you know, they're, they're not too long. But, uh, you know, we threw this together as well. And uh, uh, this is our first uh, product, too.
2: How? What would you, uh, what would be your definition of this band? What kind of style would you, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different than, you know, what you're normally used to.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a grind band, you know. Um, Personally, I, I I had never come, I didn't come from that background, um, you know. I appreciate grind, so I figured I they were looking for a guitar player, so um, I figured what the hell I, I would I would try it, and, and it worked out. You know, I, I dug what, what they do, so um, but I also uh, you know bring my own kind of uh, style to the band too. Uh, aside from myself, there was another new guitar player, Terrell. He joined at the same time I did. So the band uh, really had to adjust to two new guitar players bringing uh the, you know two different writing styles to the table. Um so it, it was it was a definitely an interesting time.
2: Yeah, I mean, even listening to the album earlier I could still hear some of your guitar tones from Grace Guys is sort of thrown in there.
1: Yeah, we you know um actually um my my amp which um which I use for all the Grace Guys stuff was uh, in the shop that weekend when we were doing guitars. So I didn't have access to it, and we we went to the studio where our engineer, Keith, has a uh, pretty good selection of, of amps. So um, I've actually borrowed uh, Tom's triple uh, dual rectifier, and I combined that with a bunch of... Uh, with the Randall. Um, I think that was... Uh sorry Actually... Don't remember what other amps we used right now, but there was a whole bunch of amps and it all sounded good combined together and it gave a nice heavy sound. Uh, so it's a little different than the Grey guys' tone, but um, you know, it, it still sounds really good, I think.
2: Let's touch upon that subject, back to uh, Grace Guys a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that tone. Uh, Is that something that, you know, okay, we're going to, this is the way I want the band to sound, and you you aim for that every time? Uh,
1: No. Um, You know, over the course of uh, now 15 years recording with this band, um the first two albums i, I had uh i had a, a, a mesa I had a triple rectifier, so i used that which i love that amp and i sold it and i and uh i still regret it because it was a good amp and um, next album i used the marshall which i didn't really like too much and uh um I, you know it just bouncing around from different amps trying to find my what's something i like i finally got one uh, about three years ago it's a VHT, and, uh, and I'm using that all the time from now on. <laughs> so that uh, app's um, gonna be on everything I play on from now on. Um, but yeah, that you know, when, when we go in there, we 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 basically tweak everything to the uh, to the to the room for you know. So things are gonna be a little different than I play in rehearsal. My you know knobs are gonna be tweaked a little bit. So uh, it, 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 you know, you're in the studio and you, and you develop the sounds to. Uh, sound good you don't really go in there i guess i guess you could have a tone that you want and you can aim for it but me i go in there and i just play and whatever we we dial up that sounds awesome that's where we that's where we leave it
3: how long did you guys take in the studio to, to do the album
1: um well we, we we don't do a straight shot you know we don't book out like uh, two weeks oh got gotcha. you we, we do weekends so we'll go up there um the studio is out in Long Island. We're all out, spread out throughout New York, so uh, we'll all get together on weekends. Um, you know, so we do them two days at a time. Like, it could take, you know, two, three months to record. You figure another month to mix and master. So the process takes about, you know, four four months. Uh, and then you got to come up with money to press so that's, that's and promote so that's more time. Um, so we we finished recording this album, uh, many sides of truth. We finished recording it last year, um, you know. But we spent a few months uh, getting the word out through our, our PR guys, uh, guys we found, and um, they they did a really good job uh, of that actually. <laughs> so we're very thankful for that. Oh, uh, what uh,
3: what PR firm do you guys use?
1: Well, actually, we we, um, we use Earsplit. Um, oh okay oh yeah um guy dave is awesome from there and uh you know he really digs the bands both of them and um he's been he's been a big help getting the word out for us you know we really appreciate that
2: yeah i've known uh liz over there for like like 15 years you know yeah yeah,
1: definitely
2: so let's talk about the history of the band uh when did you guys first get together and, and how did how did you start the band
1: Well, the original, like, if you go all the way back to the beginnings, it would be 95. And, uh, myself and Jody Angelo, the original guitar player, he played on every album up until Introspective. So he was on the first four. Um, he was in and out of the band a lot over the years, but he always appeared on the albums. So Joe, myself, and uh, our original bass player, Chris, he appeared on the first album, Fate of Angels. Um... We started jamming together uh, with with a drummer, a local drummer here in Staten Island. We all lived on Staten Island at the time, and um, that didn't work out with the drummer. But we did we did do a demo with that lineup, and um, the, at that time the band was called Eve of Morning. Um, another drummer we had jammed with at the time suggested that name. I, I did not know that there was another band with the same name in Chicago. So this is 1996 now, so I didn't know that, you know. So I found out. They emailed me, and I was like, "All right, cool." And uh, we changed the name uh, to "Grace Guys Fallen in '97. It was February, so since that point, we've been we've been Grace Guys Falling, and um, we from '97 February we we grabbed Craig on keyboards halfway through that year, so maybe like summertime. And uh, Aaron, the drummer, the original drummer, and we wrote the first album in uh, in about six months to a year, and then we just recorded it, and that was
2: that. You're talking, of course. The first album was called "The Fate of Angels."
1: Yes, um, it seems like a a million years ago. Thinking about <laughs> that album.
2: That's probably around the time when he started touring for that, you know, doing the Metal metal Fest and all that. When I first met you guys right. and really got into that first album, I think I interviewed you guys way back then, too. I believe I
1: have to check the brain, but uh, you, you might be right. There <laughs> might be a transcript somewhere on the on the web, you know?
2: Exactly, for, man. Uh, So let's actually get into a track from the album, and I picked out one of my favorite tracks. It's called The Purest Form. This is from uh, 1999, and the album is called The Fate of Angels. We'll be right back. Dark We have returned to Grey Sky's Fallen on MSR Cast. How are you doing, sirs?
1: Doing awesome Great.
2: tonight. All right. Oh, so okay. we just got into three tracks, three older tracks from uh, Grey Sky's Fallen. We got into uh, the title track off the album The Two-Way Mirror, which was from 2006. Uh, then we got into another favorite track of mine, uh, The Essence of Motion from Tomorrow's in Doubt from 2002. So let's take a few minutes uh Rick and talk about these um let's talk about the last couple albums especially let's talk about Two Way Mirror because that's uh definitely a different album than uh usual. Yeah, um that that comes
1: in a, a strange time. I guess we recorded that album in in uh, 2005 early 2005 so it was written between somewhere between 2002 and 2004 around there. And during that time we were pretty much swapping out guitar players. Uh Joe, the two Joes had come and gone, Jody Angelo, Joe Sanchi swapped places a couple times and we were writing some good stuff, I remember. I remember uh back at that time jamming with uh Joe Sanchi and in this room in Long Island somewhere. I don't even remember where the hell it was, but we were writing a sick sick shit, which I I think there's tape somewhere which I got to dig up, but uh anyway, so we took some of that stuff and um, ran with it and definitely changed the sound a little bit, a little less emphasis on uh, the um, the death metal, doom metal stuff. And we just, you know, uh, kind of mellowed out, <laughs> mellowed out for a record and um, there's still trace elements of that, you know, stuff in there.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but uh, yeah, it was, it was different. It was definitely like, uh, like a proggy kind of weird thing.
2: Yeah, I can definitely hear some of the like different influences for that album that, you know, you might have been afraid to touch upon on your head, some of your heavier shit.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, I was listening to a lot of a lot of 70s stuff at that time, Uh, just all 70s prog English stuff. So it might have definitely influenced me a little bit on that record. I mean, it's not, you know, we're we're not a caravan or 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 something like that on that album, but, you know, there's definitely definite influences of stuff like that.
2: And let's talk about Tomorrow's In Doubt, the album. Uh, What do you remember about that time?
1: Um, That was... uh, We we were definitely... uh, This is right after Fate of Angels. So Joe, the guitarist, Jody Angelo had left. And we were without a guitar player um, for quite a while. And myself and Sal and Craig, um, we jammed in my basement, in my parents' house at the time, still living at home. And we just wrote that album. And um, we had Jimmy, our bass player. he, he, He joined the band at that time. He was in the band for about six years and he had joined the band at that time and he kind of, you know, contributed to the to the sound of that record too. And um that's one of my favorite albums that we've done. Um you know, there was a lot of a lot of cool a lot of cool things going on on it, I think.
2: So, let's talk about some of the touring that you've got to done and some of the bands you've played with. Um who has been the the band you guys have shared a stage with here. It's like I can't believe we are here right now. Well, uh, as
1: far as touring, we've unfortunately, as a band, we've never toured, which, you know, is probably why we're 20 years, 18, 17 years into a band history, you know, and uh, no one really knows who the, you know, who the fuck we are. So, so, you know, maybe touring would help, but we did, we did play some big shows um, at the beginning, which uh, definitely helped us at the time we were working with Don Decker, who was the, um, Oh yeah. Uh, dude from nightfall records and also the mighty anal blast
5: yep. singer.
1: And, um, he had heard, um, the first album and he, he, uh, re-released it right away. Um, on, we, we pressed it ourselves and he pressed it a couple, a couple months later. And it came out at the uh, first New Jersey metal fest, which was uh, March of 99. Uh, and, um, We've, you know, that, you know, that, that, that was the time we were playing some, some big fests. Uh, we played Milwaukee 2000. We played Milwaukee 99, uh um, Milwaukee Metal Fest, uh, 99 to 2001. Uh, we played right before Catatonia, um, and, o- nope, and o- Opeth.
2: I was there, man. Yeah, the, I was, that was, I was the right high- there for it.
1: That was the highlight of my, you know, of doing music. Uh, that was the highlight right there. Um, unfortunately that was uh 14 years ago so you know it's kind of you think about it it's like oh fuck
2: and opeth got to play like what three songs or two songs or something it,
1: it, it was a you know it's kind of a blur because um uh, i remember uh peter from opeth uh, approaches me mm-hmm. right before we played and uh he asked if they could borrow our gear so i was like shit yeah fuck yeah definitely and um so they they were using all our gear uh awesome. I, don't, I, don't, I don't believe they use our guitars because um they tune to an E and at the time we were down at C sharp. So I didn't have a guitar for them. So I think they grabbed like a, uh, like some generic strat from somewhere. Somebody had a strat and, um, but I had a Les Paul. It would have sounded better. I think definitely. <laughs> you know, so oh, I remember and Catatonia bar, our gear too. So this is their first show in the U S now, yeah. now they're both, you know, you know, fucking legends and shit. And, and we got some, some footnote in that history we played you know the same stage with those dudes on that that night so you know i gotta thank <laughs> excuse me gotta thank don for that man he was the only guy uh, in in this whole time to ever believe in the band to actually you know get behind the band in any way and hook us up and those shows were uh were awesome
2: so, yeah rest in peace to don man. yeah man
1: he passed away a few years ago um, yeah you know he was a, he was a character that guy um so it was, it was, you know, sad to hear what happened to him, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I hold a place for that guy, man, because he's the only dude to 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 get behind us, you know, in any in any positive way. So it's a was a bummer.
2: You said that first uh, metal Fest in Jersey was that the um, what's the name on the on the on the beast there? I can't oh, think yeah, of it. Asbury Park, Asbury Park. Yeah. yes, that was, that was a uh, big it was a big open. Convention Center, yeah, yep. it was a strange place for a metal show, man. It, you know, it's an old building. You know,
1: built in the twenties. You know, it was, uh, it, it was separated into three three areas. There was the uh, yep. there, there was a theater, so they actually had a stage with you know seats, and then you had the middle room, which was just like the uh, the entryway, and they, you know those are all the. The uh, tables were and shit. And was, there was a stage in there, too, I think.
2: Yeah, there was. I remember seeing Deceased in that yeah, in that right, room. That's right, by the
1: back door. And yeah. I saw Anal Blast playing in that room, too.
2: Yeah. And then um,
1: in the other room where we played, in 99, we played. That was our first gig with Sal. So it was like our first show. I mean, we had played bullshit you know, shows prior to that, but that was our first show. And there was a thousand people there, or, you know, however many wow. people, and and uh, you know, we 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 were like, holy shit, this is, you know, and we went over pretty well, and uh, in fact, uh, Sal brought this up to me. He never lets me forget it. Um, you know, I, I'm standing there after our, after our set, and uh, uh, Peter from Hypocrisy comes up to me, and I don't know who, you know, I, I was a fan of Hypocrisy at, at that time. That they had just put out, you um, know, what the name of the album was. It was like a green, green fluorescent cover. Uh, I don't remember. It was it was a really good album. And he starts talking to me, and you know, he wanted to like record us, and uh, I was like, okay, um, cool. And I didn't, he didn't tell me who he was, so I didn't really know. So it was a, kind of like a blown, like a missed opportunity. That's oh, out. Nevertheless, we Never should live that one down. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, I, I, I was regrettable from that, from that metal fest. But, um, yeah, it was great. And I'm actually waiting to see the, uh, I've never seen the video, but video does exist of that show. And, um, Joe, the old guitar player, has it. So I'm just waiting for him to, uh, convert that to digital and send that to me. Cause I would love to see that again. Cause my memories of that show are very faint, but, uh, I remember it being really positive. So uh, I would love to see it.
2: Hey, you, that was my that was my very first experience in Jersey too. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> Asbury Park is an interesting, uh, interesting place back then. Yeah,
2: yeah. Hey, you mentioned Opeth uh,
3: playing with Opeth. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help but notice you had uh, on your new album for the artwork. Travis Smith did the artwork.
1: Yeah, he's actually done um, the last three of our uh, um, releases.
3: Um, That's awesome. So, I mean, is it is that a huge part of your budget that goes towards a Kind well, of a well-known guy like
1: that? Luckily, I've known Travis um, online. We've been on, uh-huh. online pals for 10 years. You know, we've always talked about, you know, metal. We've always talked about, you know, bands. And, you know, we, we're good friends online. So by the time, we always talked about working together. But we didn't put out a record for so long. From, you know, Two Way Mirror until 2010. That was four years. So um, once once we put out the first EP, um Along Came Life, which is a weird, um, another weird EP, like a weird release that I still try to kind of digest when I hear it, which is rare. But um, he did that uh, cover artwork and uh, also Introspective and now uh, the new album. So, yeah, we're we, we going to use Travis, you know, exclusively all the time. And, uh, yeah, he's he's good to work with, definitely.
3: Now, do you do you sort of tell him what you want or do you just sort of let him go go nuts?
1: <clears throat> well, I actually it depends um we we work together like i'll give him ideas and he'll you know just take the ideas and uh, run from there and and just you know send me a picture and i'll be like holy shit okay <laughs> all right that's good <laughs> you know yeah. that's oh, that's good that'll do and uh you know it, or sometimes like on this one um this was his idea uh on the the, uh, the many sides of truth where the uh these, these shapes—they're they, bending and folding over. With that was his idea, so that was definitely a Travis. I had nothing for this one. I was like, I don't know, man. And he was like, All right, I got something. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I saw that and I was like, This is this is beautiful.
3: Yeah, it's a great cover.
1: Yeah, and he you know he did them in multiple colors like the. Uh, the uh, digipack we put out that's blue, and the vinyl that's green, and the uh, the, the um, jewel pa- uh, jewel case which Paragon put out that's that's a red cover. So you know there's different variants of the cover, so it's kind of you know different sides of it too, kind of playing with the title.
2: Yeah, I've always been a huge fan of his artwork, and this, you just look at. It's weird. You can just look at it, something that's say, like, oh, that has Travis from his artwork on it. And I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm already in love I, with that album. Yeah, I know so, I'm going to like it.
1: Because, um, you know, he does, he, he seems to do covers of all my favorite albums, you know. Yeah. Like, holy shit. I was like, this dude's like on every, every album I love.
2: You know? he, he just needs to have an art show that traveled around Is. Yeah, man. He's, he, he's, he's that good, man. He's, he's, he's a good guy. So let's go into your uh, past and talk about how you first got into music. What was that first band you said? That's what I want to fucking do. Well,
1: I'm an old motherfucker now, so like going back, going back to like when I was six, I heard um, uh, Quiet Riot was big at that time. Come on, feel the noise and Metal Health. You know, Metal Health uh, record just came out, so that was my first album. I had it on tape. I was six years old, and I used to sit in the bathtub with the boombox, the early 80s <laughs> boombox, on the toilet bowl, and that would blast in there, and I would—it was awesome. You know, I was like, "Holy shit, this is awesome!" So I, I liked the uh, <clears throat> the um, guitarist for that band at the time. You know, so I, a year later, like seven years old, I got into uh, my neighbor had a bunch of Iron Maiden posters on his wall, so. That was the beginning of Maiden, so I was like seven at that time. And I had uh was a peace of mind and um a number to beast those albums, but you know, Maiden's my favorite band ever. Throwing that out there, so I grew up on that band. Mine too. Yeah, man.
2: Yeah.
3: Those those dudes you know always,
2: You're not you're not a true metalhead unless Iron Maiden is your favorite band. <laughs> it
3: always starts it always starts with posters too, like with me.
2: When I was, <laughs> yeah. I went
3: to my cousin's house and, I, and she had, um, like a Megadeth poster on her, in, in the indoor of her closet. And I was just like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And that was like the first image I remember seeing of, like, what is, you know, metal to me. Fuck yeah, man. Especially those times, those were like iconic, th- those times,
1: you know, mid 80s, early 80s, that's when mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff was, like, just coming out. And, and to see that poster, like, to see, um, I don't remember exactly which poster it was. So it, it was. It was not a cover. It wasn't. It wasn't at that time. It wasn't the piece of the mind cover or the um, number of the beast cover that Derek Riggs did. It was like an alternate uh, song that they did a, a image for, and it was fucking amazing. And that blew my mind. I'm like, holy shit, I got to hear this, you know. And he put on the record, and I was like, that was that. And then the first two Iron Maiden albums, I still worship those
2: we're missing a lot of that nowadays it's the you know the branding the imagery the the artwork it's it's a lot of these you know i sound like old like an old fuck when i say this but all these young kids you know they just look at stuff on a computer screen and they don't get any of the the being involved with it all you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean unfortunately i lost all my cds that i accumulated over 20 years 25 years in uh sandy hurricane sandy i had a box in the forgot it was down in the garage forgot all my shit was down there and i lost everything so all my you know stuff cds i never really had the attachment for either but now i'm kind of like um loving the vinyl resurgence Uh, i love holding the record in my hand you know and the humongous album work the album artwork
2: that you could observe and admire so i really like that so we talked about iron maiden so What better way to pay tribute to them is besides playing them? So let's play uh, something that you picked off, Still Life. This is from the album.
1: A Peace of Mind.
2: Exactly. This is from 1983, man. Wow. We'll be right back after some songs that uh, Rick has picked out that influenced his playing, and we'll be right back. That's the way we do it on the show, man. We try to, to throw everything into a blender together like that, you know?
5: <laughs>
1: Good shit, bro. It
2: all works out.
1: Yeah, that death song, we were actually were, we're going to cover it, um, but we didn't really make any progress on it. We talked about covering it. It was like the first song that we had discussed about um, truly doing a cover, even though for years I've wanted to cover something.
2: Yeah. But um, it didn't come to fruition which album is that from again? Can't remember. Uh, symbolic. Symbolic. Here we go. Late, see, a lot of people don't don't credit those later albums that much. Oh, I,
1: I, I mean, I love death the entire discography, but mm-hmm. the last three, the last four from Human On, th- those are my yes.
5: favorites.
2: It's the beginning of of, of real progressive death Yeah,
1: that's where Chuck like really just like exploded and just yeah. became, you know, became the god.
2: So if you just listen to that, we're back to the show. I guess we'll just go that way. <laughs> we were already talking about the last band that we played was Death and the Mighty Chuck Schildiner. Um The song we played was Perennial Quest. That is from Symbolic from 1995. Man, I I, I had the the extreme pleasure of interviewing him wow. like right after right after Sound of Perseverance came out. That's awesome. And I never used the I never used the interview really. <laughs> How and come? I. I, I don't know, it never went to print really. So what I did about 3 years ago, I I found my old cassette tape of my interview mm-hmm. and I made an, uh, an actually an episode of this show out of it. Oh great. I got that. It's not Yeah, go back and listen to it, man. It was it was a lot of it, he was he's very he was very
1: down to earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I heard from a few people that know him. I'll, I'll check that out definitely.
2: He had that uh you know that California, you know, whatever attitude, you right. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was cool, man. Um, And then before that, uh, Opus, April, Ethereal, one of their best tracks ever, man.
1: Yeah. That was was actually the first album I heard. Um, I I don't know how the fuck I missed. I was in school at that time when the the first um, two albums came out. I don't know how I missed those albums. But, uh, you know, once I got my albums rehearsed when that came out, that was like, Uh, forget it that was that was the best I love that record
2: you know I mean Opeth is definitely a band that's changed styles let's just say that way (laughs) yeah over their career um so what do you think about them now
1: well you know I I haven't listened to the new one which uh, a lot of people have they've listened to the leak I'm just waiting for it to uh, come out I have my uh, pre-order my record coming to me so I'll wait for it and uh heritage uh you know i i, I thought it was cool I, you know i don't listen to it all the time but uh i don't i, I don't see the the uh 100 negativity towards it but um right it is you know i i thought it was cool for what it was but uh like i said it's not my favorite so uh prior to that was the the watershed album which i thought was good too really good this is the last death Metal record that they did um
2: yeah. And you know,
1: maybe at that point people were saying they were getting a little uh, a little bit too much of the same, I guess, but uh I don't know. I always liked him.
2: But you the thing about, you know, he never really does it for the fans or, you know, I oh, I have to play it like this. He does it because right. that's what he wants to do and he enjoys it, you know what I mean? I
1: mean? I think that's how you have to do it really, unless, you know, I don't know, I don't know what. I mean, you, you have to do what makes you happy in a way, otherwise you're going to be Putting forth something that's not really genuine or yeah. or good, <laughs> you know. I mean, people might like it or whatever, but it, it might not be uh, what you want to be putting out, which is, you know, it's really what's
2: the most important thing. Yeah, and that will definitely show up in your music as well. Yeah, if you're if you're phoning
1: it in, you know, it's gonna you're gonna be able to tell. Okay, this song, like, how is this song written? Like, like, where did this come from? You know, it's 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 not doesn't live up to. The standards that i'm used to from this person or whatever you know
2: and they're gonna to be touring as well on this album i, I think in november is something like yeah december? yeah they're hitting was, uh,
1: december uh, 5th here in new york which I'm,
2: was was unfortunately was in flames right
1: that's another band a, we played with in the beginning uh yeah you know we had
2: we had hung out
1: with those dudes you know and that in uh what the fuck was that the san antonio metal fest
2: Oh my god! I remember that fucking. You anymore. remember what year that was?
1: That was '99. That was '99.
2: Yeah, that was nine That was like oh, wow. one of, me and my wife's first, uh, one of our first big outings together. Like one wow. of our first big dates, man.
1: Yeah, that was a. We flew out there for that one. That was another uh, good show, man. We we played right before Moonspell. <laughs> I mean, we played before Moonspell and In Flames. That was it. It was awesome. Moonspell and In that... Flames. <laughs>
2: Fernando was, was I, if I remember the show, he was a really, really drunk and just holding on to the mic to stand up.
1: <laughs> I don't remember. I, I definitely didn't watch. I, I was, you know, I was like, right after we played at that point, I was uh, not watching bands. But, uh,
2: yeah, you know, it was
1: that was another cool fest.
2: I enjoyed it. Yeah, man, that was a great show. I, that was the last time I ever saw S.O.D. play mm. together. Right, right, right. That was a lot of fun I missed
3: in flames in that on that ninety nine run but I saw them in two thousand in uh, december freezing cold uh, show and uh and the winter is um one of the best metal shows i ever seen ever
1: I missed that band you know they were awesome for for a time there they had that yeah. run
3: man from ninety four to two thousand they had that perfect yeah. run of perfect albums, great shows and yeah. uh it's yeah, a I'm,
2: shame not any- not so much anymore. No. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. And you know, I
3: for what it's right, I think the Opeth heritage is you know—it's a good. It's a, it's not a horrible record, but best I.
1: Cover art. Travis's best cover art ever on that album. The,
3: the cover art was very cool. I do hope that they. I hope. Well, I guess my my hope for the new album is that it's a little bit more just focused because it seemed like the songwriting was sort of all over the place. All over
1: the place. Yeah, that, that's what I've heard. People said, you know, it's a little bit. Um, you could tell it's way different than the last one. Maybe his his mindset is different about how he went into it as far as writing it. I
3: think you the know? thing that really probably made people mad about the whole Opeth situation was that when they went when they when they played live for Heritage, they didn't play anything heavy and that was right. sort of like the extra straw that broke the camel's yeah. back, you know?
5: Well, you know but,
1: I enjoyed it. First of all, I, I thought that was a great show. And, yeah. And On the Damnation tour, when they toured with um, uh, Porcupine Tree, which I saw as well, he, he played all clean stuff that night. So, But, you know, the Damnation clean stuff is different than the Heritage prog uh-huh. clean. Yeah. You know, it's a totally different style, but... You know, they they did play, they did tour and not play any heavy shit at one point. That was 10 years ago. But I could see, I could see people upset, I guess, you know, but, you know, it is what it is.
2: But he, he never, he said before, you know, that we weren't doing any growling vocals. Right. It's not going to be the heavy set. This is, right. this is who we are now. Yeah, so. man, you
1: got to, you know, you got to respect somebody or you know, a band that's going to do things on their own terms.
2: You know that that's
1: how I always try to do it with this band. It's we've never had a label behind us, so it's, we do we do it on our own terms, and we think that's the the best way to do it. Um, you know, yeah. You know, I, I I hear nightmares about you know bands getting uh, getting a shaft. What was I reading today? Winter Sun. Uh, post, oh yeah. You know, it's like you know, like I don't know the situation. I'm not going to talk about it, but you know, some about. Uh, Lack of funds coming from their label. I mean, that's a pretty big label, you would think, right? In um, in the metal in the metal uh scene there. Um,
3: yeah. So, uh, it kind of scares the
1: shit out of me when you
3: think about it. So. That's that's a weird situation, though. I mean, not not to not to, to delve into it too much, but I think that's a situation where where his expectations of what they're supposed to give him are like very yeah. astronomical. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know the details, like I said, but, you know, I, I hear horror stories about working with labels today. You know, really, uh, if you have if you have good promotion behind you, um, I, I would think that's, in this day and age, your music can get out there in so many different ways. As long as, you know, somebody's pushing it in some way, it, it's, it's just as like having a, a label behind you in, in one way or another.
3: Was there ever a time you guys uh, considered uh, trying to get on the label yourselves? Well, I mean,
1: I, I sit here and I, I shit on labels, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice on the other hand to, you know, to have somebody, I mean, obviously the kind of music we play that we're, we're not, ex- you know, you, you don't expect a blank check, but, you know, we have good deals with our engineer in his studio and, uh, you know, we, we, we work out, you know, deals with other people too. So we kind of keep our costs down. Um, yeah, it would be nice having somebody foot in the bill, especially like the next record we do is going to be a full, you know, full length, back to the basics, like first record, you know, hour long. We want to, we want to fill up, you know, an hour disc, and, and that's going to be two, two slabs of vinyl right there, you know. So that's going to be double LP, which uh, we can't afford. <laughs> we can't afford that shit right now. So, but like, you know, now we put the record out on vinyl, I think we have to kind of live up to that standard. Going, going forward.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, but paying for it yourself is kind of, you know, it's kind of beat.
2: So let's get back into, um, some of to your influences here. I'm looking at some of the tracks that you were, supplied me. Uh, Halloween, Future World. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a huge, I'm a huge German power metal freak. Love so. it. Yeah, I didn't go
1: like, um, you know, halloween gamma Ray, that, that was pretty much uh running wild maybe to the extent of my like power metal um
2: knowledge <laughs> like I, I
1: didn't go that deep into the genre but i love kai Hansen always you know he's was, he was a great guitarist so everything and and kisky, michael kisky anything those two do oh that. yeah so now i'm all into the unisonic records and uh, <laughs> you know, those are nice.
5: awesome
2: yeah. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing uh Kiske maybe about six months ago. Oh, good. Um, yeah, man, that Unisonic—it's. We were just talking about it earlier. It's like it's weird. It's uh, there's like some really good stuff on there. It's like okay, that would be like right after like Keeper of the Seven Keys Part right. Three. That'd be perfect for that. Yeah. yeah really then there's bad. some then there's some duds on it. You're just like, oh.
1: There's a lot of like um, on the new one. You hear a lot of like power metal songs, and then you got your hard rock songs. Yeah. Kind of mixed together. <sighs>
2: Yeah, that's what that's the word thing. It's just not. I don't think the album's paced right. You know what I mean?
1: You know, I've I've read uh, a couple of reviews on it, and a lot of the reviewers had received the wrong track
5: listing.
2: Oh, really?
1: And now that they've wow. seen the record online the proper way, it sounds a hundred times better. I from what I heard, I read one review yesterday that said that. All the all the hard rock songs were in the beginning and then all of a sudden it became a power metal record and it finished out the record as power metal and it was like, what the fuck is this? So there's definitely some sort of misrepresentation uh, of the tracks going
3: around. It's just so cool to have those two guys doing stuff again. Yeah, man. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> Seemed like such an impossibility for the longest time. Yeah, totally. I mean,
1: I, I, Halloween toward, um u.s like in 88 i guess you know
2: mm-hmm. so i was i was 12 at that time that was, so, you know, wasn't it with like armored saints i don't i don't remember
1: the, um, the tour i do remember them coming around i remember them hitting new york maybe it was 87 I, I don't i don't know i was very young and you know the first concert i don't even remember the first real concert i went to was every the first arena concert i went to like rock concert was a horrible show oh my god oh my god it was uh, Aerosmith and uh, <laughs> Skid Row. Aerosmith and Skid Row. And it was, wow. it was terrible, but uh, I, was, I was dragged in. I was like in 89. So, yeah, that was a little before I could go to the shows. But, yeah, once once they finished that Keeper's Tour uh, Part 2, that was the end of Kai Hansen. He went and he left, you know. So yep. they didn't work together for years. He They would do some stuff on the uh, – he would do appearances on a ray album now and then. Um, I think he did on – uh. What's that album? The one that came out in '95. Michael Kiske did some vocals on that one.
2: Mm-hmm. Land of the
1: Free. Yeah. Land of the
2: Free. I yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I mean, I still like Gamma Ray too, or, or Gamma Ray, however you want to say it.
1: Right. Oh, um, I like those old albums.
2: Yeah, man. Like what my. What was your first? Uh, While well, we're talking about your very first, you know, you just mentioned you saw Aerosmith with <laughs> Skid Row. What was you, Sean? What was your very first big like? Stadium rock metal show
3: uh, that was uh guns N' Roses metallic in nineteen ninety two I was too young uh, to remember
2: I was there, but yeah, my very first one, my big show was uh anthrax opening up for iron maiden uh, nineteen ninety jeez yeah my my parents dropped me and my buddy off at the at the summit, which is now a fucking church yeah the uh, lakewood Well, we won't go there. <laughs> the Joel, uh, Joel Osteen mother. Wow, they played they played the summit. Yeah, it was the summit, man. It was my very first ever like big heavy metal show, and I like we're like, oh, we got to bang our head the whole night, and like we, we both like next morning we're like, oh, we're never doing that again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, you wake up the next day. I mean, like early '90s, I was definitely hitting concerts a lot. Like uh, the best show still up there to this day. It was '93. I was Merciful Fate with Cathedral. And Ana oh. Crucis oh. and um, Flotsam and Jetsam, so wow. that was a good lineup, you know. For and I just got my driver's license, so me and my friends were like, let's go to this fucking show, and that was great. Got lost coming back in Newark, New Jersey. That was awesome.
2: See, but well, you're from you're from New York, man. You got you had access to all these killer yeah. tours. Yeah. It's like we're down here in Houston, and <laughs> we barely you know sometimes we were lucky to get a good show. Right. Yeah. I we mean, see all these, all these tours. It's like go right past us.
1: Yeah. I, I was looking at my ticket stubs from, from like that. I still had somehow. I don't know how hell I still have them, but, uh, <laughs> definitely like, you know, early to mid nineties was awesome in New York. I'm sure the eighties were great too, but I wasn't hitting shows at that time. I was too young, but, um, you know, at Lemoore's every week, there was, there was something great. Uh, you know, I, um, yeah, I saw Carcass at La Moore's for five bucks on uh wow. on the hard work tour. It was great. There a bunch of hardcore bands opened for them. Mm-hmm. Like uh you know, tough guy New York hardcore bands and yeah. one of them took the Carcass poster down and wiped his ass with it and you know, he was trying to be all tough, you know. And then Carcass came on and just just took <laughs> just took whatever whatever that band, that garbage and, and just, you know, showed showed everybody what to do. So that was amazing. And, you know, I saw a week later, I saw Sabotage there. Two weeks after that, that was with Skullnick playing guitar. That was right after uh, uh, Handful of Rain came out. And uh, Malmsteen was was like two weeks after that. I saw him there. Lemoore's was the best. That was the best club ever. But uh, but now in New York, we have St. Vitus Bar, which is, uh, that's where a lot of, you know, a lot of the big shows go down Mm
2: -hmm. these days. Do, do big metal shows still come around there? Um, this is a
1: small venue, the one I just spoke of, uh, St. Vitus. But, yeah, last year, Carcass played there. They packed it out. A bunch of huge death metal shows have been there over the past few months. It's, it's uh, They have a festival, a, a Martyr Doom Festival. It's a four-day black metal fest that goes on. You know, it's mm. a lot of cool shit going on around here now. Which, no, what? When we started, there was nothing. There was no, there was no metal <laughs> yeah. going on in, in, in New York. In
2: 1996, in what is the, What what is the scene right now for metal in New York area? It's, I believe, I think it's really good. I mean, there's a lot of places to
1: play um, in Brooklyn, especially. There's a there's a good scene out there, you know. Um, like I said in my other band, Buckshot Faceless, we got Will, who's in Artificial Brain, who's just uh, their their debut album is, is amazing. I would totally recommend that to you guys that's a incredible record uh dan um Gargiulio, the guitar player I believe his uh, other band is revocation revocation
2: oh yeah yeah definitely
1: yeah this is his other band so it's uh and uh this dude keith playing drums he's he's a he's a he's a he's an animal this dude that's a great album you guys check that out if you like, like good technical death metal um so yeah they're they're up and coming you know local band. Which is good to see them do well. They're touring. Um, this far. what's
2: the name of the band?
1: Artificial Brain.
2: Artificial Brain. Well, I'm gonna try to throw them into the show here, man. Yeah,
1: man. That's Will. That's our boy. That's his. It's uh, his other band there. Uh, so we're like definitely pulling for those guys to uh, to blow up.
2: Cool. So uh, we talked about Unisonic a few minutes ago, and we were actually planning to play them on the next episode of of MSRcast, but I think it's the perfect time just to fucking play them now. Yeah,
1: cool, man. Um,
2: so let's let's get in. Do you have a, a certain track you love off the new album?
1: Well, let's see. Well, the one that they did a single for, uh, For the Kingdom, I believe it's called. That's a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually, that's perfect. Yeah, it's a good one. That, that melody always stays in my head after I hear that.
2: So let's get into uh, that track, For the Kingdom, off the brand new Unisonic. Our Unisonic, the album's called Light of Dawn. Uh, Then we're going to get into your uh, Halloween pick, and we're going to come back from Dark Tranquility. We'll be (laughs) right back.
3: you were just listening to dark tranquility uh an old school cut lethe am i am i saying that right
1: i believe so i think that's uh from the gallery
3: yeah it's I, their second I album. Listened to that album in the ages
1: that is a second album i remember i remember that album was delayed a long time in the u.s and at that time i was i was it was hard for me to get imports you know, it was out. I believe in Europe for for maybe six eight months before that, and uh, I was dying to hear it. And that album came out, and it was just an incredible record. Just speed and and the melodic, you know, the guitar work and the drumming it was uh, it was awesome.
3: I remember importing uh, Skydancer, and it cost me like thirty five dollars <laughs> or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I had that record. I had that and um,
1: the EP as well uh, of Cast and Eternal Night.
3: That came out and it was like a double CD. You know, we were talking about... Oh, I mean, we were talking about In Flames a while ago, and it's like... These two bands came around around the same time. Yep. Both kind of doing the same... I mean, not the same style, but, but relatively the same style. They traded singers. They yeah. traded... Yeah, that's right. Andrews Frieden was on Skydancer. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. And... I'm Michael Stanley. Dark, Dark tranquility, you know, you know, they're making respectable music, good albums. I, I heard the I, the last one was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still good. And it's just
2: they don't have that. They don't have that Metallica drum syndrome where all the the toms and in snares sound the same. <laughs> well, it's right.
3: just, it, it's so it's so weird just to see like like you know in a lot of fans, a lot of younger fans of in flames will try to defend their newer style to me and. And my thought, and I don't have any problem with them changing if they want to. But the thing is, like, they're just not good anymore. And you right. hear bands that were similar to what they were continue on and just do good stuff. And how melodeath is like, you know, it's it's reese. It's, it's there's so many great Death bands out there from that aren't even Swedish. They're just from other countries. And they're doing new takes on the style. And it's like, you know, you don't have to turn into a heavier version of Depeche Mode to progress musically, you know? Like Insomnium?
1: Or uh, Paradise Lost for a while, Yeah, which which I hated. I I mean, those dudes, uh, those first, whatever, three, four uh, albums there, those were classic Doom albums. And then all of a sudden, um, One Second comes out, which was, uh, I was like, oh, what the hell is this? You know, it's starting, to, it's starting to sound a little sketchy. But And after that, they did a few albums, which I couldn't even tell you what they were. But I remember Craig, our keyboard player, loved those albums. And I used to look at them. And I was like, what the hell are you listening to this shit for, bro?
2: Yeah, I can't. I can't uh, I, we'll just have to agree to disagree here, because I love those albums. Oh,
3: I
5: can't. I can't.
3: <laughs> those are like the Peaceville Three Years, what, Paradise Lost and Nothing My Dying Bride. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they almost all went through that transformation, that yeah. kind of weird period i mean anathema still is totally different now but i my mean
1: i only did it for the one album
3: the one album yeah
1: that one opera the, record there which was
2: that 34 point yeah, something percent yeah. the one that nobody liked yes
1: yes i bought that and uh i had it um uh, the day it came out of course they were my favorite band at that point so you know i heard that album very interesting it's like the uh Kind of like the black album, you know, in, in their kind
2: of... yeah. We Sorry. used to make fun of it saying only thirty four point seven percent of people like it. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. There's some decent songs on there. There's some garbage on there too. I'll be honest with you, like, but there's some good shit on there as well. I think the first song was good.
2: But a lot of those bands from you know that were in that same that same genre that same ilk. <laughs> They all sort of tried that experimental thing mm-hmm. because I don't know. I guess they got bored of what they were doing, and then they they they're okay. We're not going to do that anymore, and they go back to their old style, and they sort of mix those 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 eras of their career together, and it worked mm-hmm. for them after mm-hmm. a while. Like Paradise Lost, the new new stuff is heavy, but
1: it does retain some of the elements. They it,
2: exactly exactly, and uh, that's where bands uh, don't like bands like In Flames and that kind of stuff. They yeah. don't. Right. They, just, they they totally they skipped that over. They just, okay, we're just going to be completely different now. It's
1: like they lost their way. But, you know, they also lost their, their guitarist. Uh, you know, I don't know what the deal either, who yeah. that dude was, but, you know, he was like the songwriter. The You know, he was a great guitarist, fucking awesome guitar player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I thought he had. Um, I, see, I, I, I'm out of the Inflames loop. I don't know what, anything about Inflames after 2001, 2000, around there. So I don't know yeah. what, what happened to him. He quit. I or, mean,.
3: Every album with it was Jesper Strombone, um every album with him had at least that kind of guitar musicality, even up to the last album where he was, you know, you can tell it, it was more like Anders Frieden influencing. You know, the difference between Old Inflames and New Inflames is that Old Inflames, the guitars would drive the songs and would be the melody, and in New Inflames, it's the singer who can't sing who's trying to propel the melody.
1: Um, right. And you know, yeah. the other thing with him, like, I mean, I hate name dropping because, uh, who am I to name drop anybody?
3: And especially you know,
1: talking about guys that are in humongous bands, but, uh, <laughs> he, he had, a, he had, um, in that show we had talk, discussed earlier, the San Antonio fest. Right. Um, after we played, I guess it was during Moonspell. I'd, I'd seen him stand there or he might've approached me or I, I don't remember how we started talking Anders and, uh, he he said he liked my vocals, how I went from clean to death metal, how I like intertwined them too. I was like, cool man, thanks. He here's you know here's our CD. We had just I had the Fate of Angels still. I gave him that, and he he had already bought one. He was already in his back pocket, and I was like, wow, that's fucking that's really cool, man. Dude went out and bought our record, you know, and uh and then a couple uh a couple albums later, those dudes were a totally different sound. It was, it was, <laughs> it was just, just weird, man.
3: You're yeah, trying to say it was all your fault? Yeah,
1: like you could you could blame me, <laughs> you could blame me for that one. I'll take responsibility. And actually, so, uh, we, we, I don't know how close this came. But at the time, we were talking with Don Decker, uh-huh. and he was gonna try to get us on their tour. This was uh, 1999, late '99. So aside from the guitar player Joe, we had the same lineup as. Oh no, we had Sal by this point, so it was a little different lineup, but um we lost our bass player at that time and i don't believe he could commit when we had talked about look there might be a tour coming along or you know our break like we can go throw it in flames don had talked about that he was going to find out how much it was going to cost to get us on the tour or do whatever don did he was going to he was going to find out and, and turns out uh, we, we couldn't do it and i don't know how, how close that would have you know if that would have happened or anything but you know, this is another thing I chalk up to, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, bad luck that we've had over the past, you know, 15 years,
2: but right. uh, fun times. So uh, but we've played a lot of the influences and in bands like the uh, bands that influenced you. What is uh like some band now that you really dig that some people might not know about? Well, jeez,
1: you know, honestly I'm 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 not listening to a lot of new stuff lately, that, you know, I'm I'm not really branching out. Uh, I'm I'm kind of the last few years uh, I'm I'm definitely sticking to what's comfortable, you know, when I listen to things, I I like a new album from a band that I like, you know, like the new Opeth, I'll check it out or whatever, but I don't know uh a lot of new bands coming out or anything, but um as far as, like, uh, other bands I dig, it's like, um, I like Mew from, uh, I think they're from Denmark. Um, they're really good. Every time they come, they record in Brooklyn. So every time they do a, a tour, they always hit Williamsburg, and they're an amazing live band. I don't know if you guys heard of them. They're, they're not metal at
2: all. Um, Emmy, what w- Mew. No, I have not heard of them before. They
1: just, they, they're interesting, you know, they, they're interesting shit, it's... Not really rock, I guess it kind of might be, but not, uh, so I like those guys, you know I, I'm like I said i stick to stick to what's what I'm comfortable with, <laughs> so a lot of floyd a lot of a lot of camel lately, a lot of uh a lot of um Sabbath, you know, which I've been getting into more uh I've always liked Sabbath, but you know' starting to definitely check out a lot of the uh stuff from. The post-Ozzy, post-Dio shit that I never really got into. Yeah. You know, um, in between uh, 82 and Dehumanizer, I guess.
3: Yeah, there's some good stuff there, too.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, there's some good albums. Um, But uh, that's about it. it Nothing really exciting, to be honest with you, unfortunately.
2: So let's get into another – I hate to sound like the the typical radio DJ. Let's get into another block of music here. Cool. But um, let's get into uh, the band you were just mentioning, Artificial Brain. Awesome. uh, Something from the album Labyrinth, Constellation. Is there a certain track that we should be listening to?
1: Let let me bring that up, actually. I didn't have that handy.
2: Uh, If you got a minute. Sure.
1: The the first track, actually, but let me –
2: it's called Brain, are you talking, Brain Transplant Brain
1: Transplant, yeah It's it's,
2: <laughs> it's a good one Cool, we'll definitely get into that And then we're going to uh, play the last band That you picked out that is influenced, And we talked about them a little bit ago And this song is actually I like it more than 34.7% um, We're going to play A Seed to Suffering from My Dying Bride Great, that's,
1: that's like my favorite That's one of my favorite albums ever
2: We'll be right back after these tracks. have returned to the msr cast podcast and we just heard something from a band that rick has recommended to us and i never heard before artificial brain uh the song was called absorbing black ignition instead of the other one we just said ignore that part yes and the uh, the album was a uh, labyrinth constellation and before that we heard some my dying bride which was a, a great fucking choice cool man
1: yeah I, I was lucky to see them on the U.S. tour in '97. Actually, that is the best show I've ever been to, because they were my favorite band for years, and earlier that night, there was, a, it, was a, it was a really, really terrible lineup, actually, to be honest. Um, actually, friends of ours, Divine Silence, a local band. they had opened. They fucking scored that show, and that was awesome. And Chris, uh, the guitar player from that band, now plays guitars in evoken. So, okay yeah 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 so he's um he's doing that now so those guys opened, uh which was good we were friends with those dudes we were actually there handing out the first grace guys falling demo on cassette we were handing them out that night then this band called bile came on and they were like an industrial band
2: i think i remember the name oh my
5: god
1: it, it was you know not, it, it's not my style so i'm sitting there in this in this club it's called coney island high and it was in uh it was on St. Mark's Place in Manhattan. Awesome club for a while. There was great shows going on there. But it was a million degrees. All of a sudden, this kid slices my head open with his spike wristband as he crowd surfs by.
3: Jesus. Wow, man. As
1: he goes by, he slams my head with his boots. And within seconds, I'm on the ground, face first, down, passed down, blood all over the place. So they get me up. I'm a big dude, right? So they, they these people pick me up. I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck happened? Five seconds later, I'm face down again on the floor. So my Dying Bride is coming up now. They're my favorite band, and uh, this is when they had Martin playing violin. So he, he was tuning up his violin. I'm covered in blood, and I was like, I can't. I I, I was concussed. Like I don't remember things, you know, from that night very well. Um. <laughs> but I I remember my Dying Bride. And, you know, they haven't been here since. They played the uh, Maryland Death Fest this year. Um, but they haven't played in the U.S. since that tour. So when they played, and this was the classic lineup. This was the uh, the, the, the original lineup. And um, they pretty much went, the, the drummer left right after the tour. Rick, his name was. Rick, uh, fuck, I forget his last name. He was a great drummer for that band. And I think one of the guitarists left. Oh, the violin player left. Uh, Martin left. And that's why that band, right. the, the next album was um, was thirty four, so they totally changed. That's what you could see. They lost two pretty major guys at that point, uh, you know. So maybe shit happens. But uh, that was a great show. I'm sorry to segue into that, but I was covered in blood. I wish there was video of it somewhere surfaced. There's audio bootleg online somewhere, but I love to see the video. I would love to see just me stumbling around listening to my dying bride.
2: Dead? Yes, yeah, one band I never got to see live.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, man.
2: I got to wonder what the like, band would have thought if they had seen you. Or it, I'm sure they saw
3: you in the crowd stumbling around.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was hot. It was like a hundred. You know, it was well. It was hot as fucking there. It was in the middle of August, I think. Or no, it was it was. It was summertime. I, I don't remember when it was. It was hot, and that combined with the uh, the head trauma mm-hmm. definitely uh, definitely put a crimp on things that night.
2: Yeah, I'm getting too old to go out to like these outdoor shows in the middle of summer now. Man, well, this was
1: indoors, but it was like um, yeah, it was like an oven packed, packed with people.
2: So, uh, so what's next for the band? What's next I, for you guys?
1: Well, um, next weekend we're recording we're going to do two new songs you know we're going to see what happens we'll throw them out there we'll see if anyone's interested in releasing our full length cuz um you know we you know we don't tour like you know like, like I said we we're in a position where um we could play the, the a fest we could we could go do a weekend we could you know but we can't really invest into you know a month on the road at this point in our lives yeah so, you know so Uh, we could definitely record more. So our goal is to record a record every year, put it out like Maiden did back in 1980 to 1988. They put out an album every year practically, except like two of them, I I think. That's what I want to do. I just want to record and put records out. And it would be nice, uh, you know, it would be nice uh, if somebody could put it out for us, I guess. Um, So we are recording demo this weekend for that purpose, we might release those songs online, stream them. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out, but um, so we're, we're going to do that. We got a show coming up, uh, I believe in November, with a, um, a local death metal band called Afterbirth that was big uh, back in the early '90s. They reformed, so that's going to be a cool show that we're playing. We're going to pick our spots, you know, live, right. live anyway. And um, and that's that. We're going to you know try to move forward. Um, with Buckshot Facelift, we're going to put this EP out um, on our own. We're going to press uh, some DigiPacks. We're going to hopefully get those out next month. We're actually, Travis Smith is doing the art for that as well. Um, did the art. Actually, what am I saying? The art's finished, and it's awesome. I can't wait for everyone to see it. Um, that band is going to uh, continue to write as well, write and record. You know, we'll play shows when we can. Uh, Will is definitely busy now with Artificial Brain, um we're busy with grace guys and uh, buckshot will definitely uh continue to uh be productive um and also the final thing is myself and tom the bass player of both of those bands we got together and we went to the studio that we always use in long island and we recorded six songs we banged them out in one day it's just bass and guitars and um clean guitars you know, it's atmospheric, kind of uh, melodic, uh, spacey stuff. Um, so that's a new project we're doing. We got an EP recorded. It was kind of a loose, uh, loose recording session. We really didn't have much prepared. Mm-hmm. We, we came out with six songs in, in one day. And we're really excited about that. That's called Brave the Waters. And that's going to be coming out hopefully in a month or two as well. We're going to digitally release that. So we've done, like, three records this year. If you really think about it, you know, the dudes that are, like, in all these bands and projects together. We've gotten together and we've done three albums. And, you know, we're kind of trying to get the word out from all these.
2: That's awesome, man. Um, So... If you know, the other show that uh, I do is called Metal Geeks, where, you know, we talk about heavy metal, but mm-hmm. well, that's not all. We talk about video games and comic books and movies and all that kind of stuff. So besides mu- music and metal, what else do you geek out on?
1: Oh, uh, video games would be up there for me. <laughs> I'm fucking, you know, I don't know. I've been playing these games since I had television and uh, Atari 2600. I had those. Right. So it kind of, you know, 1981. 1982, 1980, I had the Atari, I think, it was, you know, this is crazy, this is 30, you know, this is 30, this is 34 years now, so, I, <sighs>
2: Jesus, man. I play
1: a lot of video games, I guess. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, I do that, um, you know, movies, uh, which, uh if something interests me, I'll watch it, I, I don't go out of my way to watch movies, uh, as much as I used to, really.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of sports, That's uh, it's not really too geeky, but, you know, it can uh, be. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, you dedicate a lot of time watching this shit, you know, so it's like, you, you're definitely putting time into it. But at least you can do other things when the game is on, so.
3: what's uh, Who's your team?
1: Oh, well, of course all the New York teams. Well, not all the New York teams, but Yankees, Giants, Knicks, and Rangers, those are the teams.
3: you got to be worried about the Giants' uh, offense, uh, huh?
1: Well, yeah, I mean... I watched a little bit of the preseason game yesterday. Yeah, uh, it's not too good. I mean, the only thing I could say is um, they've won two Super Bowls in you know in seven years, so I give them a yeah. little bit of a pass on yeah. that. So if, you know if it's if if they've gone twenty five years without winning and this is going on, I'm not going to be too happy. I'm still not thrilled. You know, it looks like Eli is a little shot, and um, you know it looks like he can't really grasp this new offense. Right, That's yeah, thrown at him, but uh, he better he better straighten up because this shit's going down in a couple of weeks.
2: You guys have lost me already. <laughs> it could be worse. You, you could be like me, be a
3: Texans fan and uh, hapless right. Texans fan. So right, right, it could be worse.
1: I hear you, man. But you had, um, who did you guys draft this year? Uh, Davian Clowney, right? Oh, no, of course, the best, the uh, best player in the draft. So I mean, there you go. Yeah, good, good player. Enjoy that. Enjoy that.
2: Cool, man. So um, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I really appreciate you coming on the show and just talking about the band and some metal with us, man. Yeah,
1: dude. If you want to bullshit about games, I'm your dude, too. I can talk about that all day. It's
2: yeah, we'll, have to, we'll definitely have to bring you on to Metal Geeks and just talk about video games, man. Yeah, cool, man. Sounds good. So uh, let's let everybody know where they can find um, all about Grey Skies Fallen on the interwebs. Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: Well, we have a website, which, I mean, in this day and age, who uses websites? But on our website, greyskiesfallen.com, you could download our first five uh, releases. You can just download them in MP3 format. We've been doing that for about eight years now, just letting everything go for free. Uh, You could go there. Obviously, we have a Facebook which we would appreciate the uh, following on there. So it's the uh, Grace guys falling. Just search for us on Facebook, Uh buckshot facelift. Same thing. We have a Facebook, uh, the other project brave the waters. We have a Facebook, but well, that one's just starting out. And uh, I guess, unfortunately, Facebook is the best way to, to do it this, you know, these days, but, uh, that's how, that's how we do it. And, uh, we got Twitter accounts for the band. Grace guys falling at Twitter too once in a while i'll tweet some some shit whatever comes in my head and uh that's about it and, Cool, uh, man, too. the bandcamp i'm sorry um, the bandcamp uh, page for oh, yeah. both bands, uh you could buy the vinyl for uh the new the new grace guys you can buy the, the vinyl on there or on our website as well um the vinyl is actually going all over the world i'm sending out i'm sending out um Stuff to Germany and Turkey and Hungary on Monday. Oh wow! So it seems like we're getting more international orders,
2: which is good. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on. If um, let's let's talk about uh, MSRcast real quick. If you would like to find us on the interwebs, uh, www.metalgeeks.net, where you can find uh, both of the shows are going to be available there. Um, metalinjection.net is where you can find the home for MSRcast. It's been that way for a long time now. Yeah, we're coming up for almost 10 years of doing this podcast, man. Wow, it's crazy. that's great, man. Um, Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, at MSRcast, Instagram, which is picking up a little bit, and MS, at MSRcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook the same way. And here's what I would like everybody to do. Go to iTunes, subscribe to the show through MSRcast, through Metal Injection, subscribe to us like us give us a review all that good stuff is the only way to build up the mental army
1: awesome bro hey man thanks for having me tonight really appreciate it letting me get the word out about the bands.
2: and uh you you guys have a good show man definitely cool thank you man really thanks, really, thanks for coming on man. Oh, man keep it metal dude
1: absolutely bro <laughs>
0: MSR Productions. All rights reserved. Blah 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit msrcast.com. Metal or die. Let's to metal or all the time.
5: Yeah.